I know the Pope would like to reign over the world. I got the idea Mr. Putin would like to have a whole lot of it. But I'd like for him and all the devils and all the rest of the presidents, premiers, prime ministers, secretaries, madam secretaries, and whoever else would like to be king, there's only one. That's right. Amen. There's only one real king. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad you're kin to him? So that makes you royalty. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus and a privilege for us to be together. What an honor it is. <clears throat> we uh, want to turn to the book of Nehemiah, if you would, chapter 8, verse 8. With all the things that are going on in the world that we're in in this time, I'm sure glad that we have a prophetic insight to know that the powers that be are ordained of God. Amen. To look at all the things that we can see politically, monetarily in the world and uh, Russia being where they are and <clears throat> all the things there. And we know the Bible speaks of them prophetically that they are the king of the north. And myself, I've been praying about this situation there. We have brothers and sisters in Russia. We have brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Poland, all that whole area there. But well, I've been praying like this. God be merciful to us. Keep us from war unless this is a prophetic war. Amen. If this is a prophetic war, then we don't want to pray against it. But if it's not, we certainly want to ask God to be merciful to us. One day, It'll all fit in that final motion, won't it? Amen. Now, I'm sure that probably some of the nations of the world and the diplomats are, are very tore up because you look at some of the things that Russia has and some of the hypersonic missiles and so on that they have. And we know that America has sent her some of her premier uh, weapons there, and that speaks volumes. We know that it does. But yet... When the time is right, America will never have anything big enough, good enough, or smart enough to withstand what God will have written. And remember, when this nation goes down, she is the most powerful in the world, most recognized. Whenever she goes down, which was the seventh vision the prophet saw, there'll be nothing to stand in their way from doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They'll bomb the Vatican. Then, of course, they'll come from the north and the armies will gather in the valley of Jezreel uh, near Megiddo. And there, the great battle will set. But don't be so sad. You're going to come out of heaven on a white horse. So. Even for those of you that don't like horses, don't worry. You'll be okay. Now, when's all that happen? Well, I'm not sure, but I'm just glad that I know. Man and his ability, no question in my mind. Man would annihilate not only himself, but this earth. But he cannot, because the earth is one of God's attributes. And God loves this earth. He took his own human body from the chemistry of this earth. Man will never be able to destroy it. Don't you think in your mind that Satan wouldn't love to destroy this, just like he'd love to destroy you? but he cannot do it. That must infuriate him. That must make him so angry because God will not allow it. Praise the Lord. That ought to make us happy. 
Let's read together. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. Remember the setting now that Ezra has come prior to Nehemiah some 14 years. With him, Levites, singers, players of instruments, they have rebuilt um, the foundation of the temple, rebuilt the temple. Ezra, under a certain administration of the word, did so much of it. Then Nehemiah comes under another administration to accomplish the same work and rebuilds the walls. Now they've rebuilt the walls and they're having a time of revival of the word, a breaking forth of the word, and they are becoming the people of the book. Now the book has been there and they have found, of course, some of it, and they're having a revival by reading what God said would happen. So let's break into this time frame. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now remember, this is Ezra standing up in a pulpit, but also there's Levites and different men that's out among the people. Between 40 and 50,000 Jews are gathered for this meeting. Wow, it's quite a large church, huh? So these men aren't just standing up quoting quotes, as we would say. They're not just standing up reading the law, the Torah. But what they're doing is they're giving distinctiveness to the law of God and giving sense, and they cause them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, so Nehemiah now become the governor. And Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people. So you have God orchestrating by the government, a governor, and then you have God using Ezra, the priest, and then you have God using the Levites. What a body. Notice they said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept. Now remember, it's so important to God that when the word is being read and preached and spoke about, that we react with the right emotion. Now you see, God don't just want any emotion. He wants the right one. So they're crying and they're all broke up. And this is good at the right time. But crying was not fitting for this. Praise the Lord. So notice what they do. They've got to train them on even which emotion to express at the right time. This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. But again, the wrong emotion. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Now verse nine, it says unto the Lord your God, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In verse 10, he says, this day is holy unto our Lord, capital L, little O, little R, 
little d. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if the people would have went on, they would have ruined that service. Now, think about it. The people would have ruined that service. If now all of them, you can think, well, the majority rules. And here, the majority was wrong. So you got 40 to 50,000 people, and the majority of them are weeping and crying and lamenting. And the ministers are the ones saying, hey, 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 this is wrong. This is wrong. Don't do this. You're supposed to rejoice. We're in the time of revival. And y'all act like this is a funeral. Now, notice the direction that the writer here says, Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't it amazing that he does not say sorrow is your strength? Sadness is your strength? Repentance is your strength? But the joy of the Lord. So if you were the devil and you heard this, then what would be your agenda against the people of God? Keep them from having joy. Now, you don't even have to worry about trying to steal their salvation. You don't have to try to kill all the preachers. You don't have to bomb all the musical instruments and let them all turn into Church of Christ. But rob them of their joy from the Lord. You have depleted their strength. Oh my. How many wants to be remembered tonight? How many already needs more joy? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We are so thankful for this privilege. We could gather together again tonight, Lord, in this place, which has been built and set aside so many years ago to be called the house of the Lord, a church, a gathering place. Lord, we've met here hundreds of times. Father, and you've never failed, not one service even for prayer meetings or for funerals, whatever it would be when we've gathered in your name, you've never failed but to be with us. So that gives us faith and consolation to know that we can ask again tonight and we believe you are already here. So you know our needs. You know what we have need of. Many times we don't even know ourselves. So I pray that you would help us Take the service, Father. Help me that I can get out of the way, that I can step aside. Use my human instrumentality. And Father, use that portion of yourself that you gave me, which was a gift, a gift to preach, a gift to study, a gift to try to put it together. And then the anointing will come upon that gift, and it will be you using that portion of yourself. These people have heard me preach enough to know if there's anything good that'll come out of this service tonight, it sure won't be me. Because I ain't never preached a sermon that didn't have flaws in it. I've been preaching since I was this 18-year-old boy. And if I live a few more months, I'll be a 66-year-old man. So I've been preaching most of my life. But I've never preached a perfect sermon 
I've never preached one without flaws. I've never preached one that couldn't have improvement. And yet, Lord, somehow you've took those imperfect sermons and cast out devils and heal folks and save folks and fill folks with the Holy Ghost. So we know it had to be you. It sure couldn't be no preacher to do it. So we're looking for you to do it again tonight, Lord God. Father, you see these prayer clouds that I have in my hands. Lord, you know the specific needs. I don't feel necessary to make them known publicly, but you know what they are. I pray, Father, that you'd meet them according to your greatness. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Did I hear Brother Louis say, Brother Ben Pruitt was here with us in the service tonight? Where, where is he sitting at? God bless you, Brother Ben. Nice to have you in service with us tonight, brother. You know the word, it's amazing what type of reaction that the word can bring. It can make you feel so repentant. It can make you feel heavy. It can bring a depth of sadness like you've never experienced before. It can bring to light certain things about your life and it makes you feel ashamed. And then the word, I'm talking about in the same service, the word can come in such a way and make you feel so jubilant in your heart and you are so happy and can make you feel so free and yet it's all by the direction and the leading of the Spirit of God. And how that Satan, if he cannot stop us from coming to church, and he cannot stop the preacher from finding the mind of God, and he cannot hinder the service up to where the ministry of the Word starts, I've seen it so many times that Satan will try his best to move on the congregation and, and, and something will move over the congregation and they will move under the wrong anointing. Right. They will move under the wrong channel of the direction God wants them to go. I've seen it, and, and singers as well that say the song leader will have the direction of the Lord and maybe a special will have the direction and then another one will get up and totally change that whole thing. And the minister sitting back in the office in the study praying, and he hears the West going, yes, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then the certain song, the person gets up and changes the whole thing. It feels like your heart has fell down to the bottom of your shoes. And then you have to get up and labor and labor and labor to try to redirect the way that channel should go. So it shows us that every member, whether you're a singer, a musician, or just an old-fashioned hand clapper, that every one of us ought to seek to be in the right channel for that particular service at that night.
Now, whether you get up on the platform or not, just you being out there, you can surrender yourself, either your quietness or your vocalness, whichever you're expressing, that you want to make sure each and every service that it's given to the direction of the Spirit of God for that service, because needless to say, there's many more of you all than there are of me. So which do you think now, if, if the wrong thing moves on hundreds of people and you get under that, well, everybody will say, moves under that quiet thing, that nobody's going to say amen. But everybody's in a nodding mood tonight. So hardly nobody says amen, ouch, oh me, bless him, Lord, seek him, Brother Donnie. I mean, nobody says nothing. But everybody just kind of gets in that Church of Christ, hyphen, crossbead, Methodist, Baptist, uh, you know, type of thing to where nobody says anything, but everybody just sits there and smiles and then frowns and then, you know, and people say, well, that must be the direction. No, I'll tell you, friends, I've seen you many times miss the mind of the Lord because that thing come in and you as the sheep allowed that to dictate the way you responded to the word and you totally missed it. Now I don't know how that makes you feel but that ought to make you feel ashamed because what you want to get is not what brother so-and-so said or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so but what every one of us should seek after is that which the Lord wants for that particular service. It don't really matter what I want. I've left here many times. I left here six, seven months ago and I got in the car, Carol was there with me and I pulled out on the road out there and I told her, I said, I believe that was about the biggest mess and gone I ever made in my entire life. Before I got home, I was bombarded with text and emails from different people all around the world, WhatsApp and all of that. Oh, brother, it was just for me. It was right down what I needed. So you know what? Once again, it proved to me I didn't know what I was talking about. And if I don't, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, you don't either. So a lot of times we may think, well, my needs are this and this, and I hope Brother Donnie preaches this way because this is what I know I need. No, you don't. You don't know what you need. I don't know what you need. And the quicker we recognize it, the better off we'll be and the more church we can have around here. Now, you know, here this is an ideal setting of such a thing that they are hearing the word. But remember, a lot of these people, even though they've been, we'll say like this, they've been raised in the message. But they had not really been in a setting quite like this. Many of them had never been in this setting. Because their parents were carried, and some of them, their great-grandparents were carried down into the land of Babylon, and they were there as Jews, and they were keeping the law as best as they could, but they were not allowed to have churches and, and so on and sing. And remember what they said, the psalmist wrote about them and said, that they said, come and sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord down in this land of bondage? So he hung up our 
hearts. So they didn't have a reason to be joyful. But here they are and now they've been delivered from the, from the Persia now and they've come out from under the Babylonian and from the Persians and now they've come over into their land and the promised land. But what do you find them doing? You find them responding to the word in the same attitude that they had down in Persia. You find them now rejoicing, or in lack of rejoicing, I should say, and here they are, they're crying and lamenting, no doubt in the same way that some of them, oh God, oh God, when are you going to deliver us? Oh God, we need so much help. Oh God, we're in such a terrible way. Oh Lord God, have mercy on us. But that was not fitting for this particular service. Now, you know, you can take a slave out of bondage and you might liberate them and you might give them the right to vote and you might give them all the privileges of the free people, but they will still be a slave unless their mind has also been released from that mentality. And the same with us that we can come out from whatever systems that we were in and we can come out from the denominational moves or if you come straight from the world, but we must also be liberated in our minds that we are not only by profession of the preacher telling us that we're now the children of God, but we ourselves must also know that we are children of God and we are commanded by God to rejoice before for him. As a matter of fact, God told the children of Israel, beginning with the first five books of Moses, he said, whenever you have your feasts and whenever you have your end gatherings, I want you and your maidens and your servants. And he went on and on. I want the widows. I want the fatherless. I want you to rejoice. Now, maybe it seems strange to us, but the Jews to this day still will dance. Now, they are a dancing people. They started dancing, and it was a command of God for them to rejoice. This is why David danced, and the Bible says was all of his might. Now, why were they told to do that? God wanted them to rejoice. It was as as much a commandment to rejoice as it was to believe there was one God. Now I'm telling you, I'm afraid that we've missed some of this because it's like we think worship and praise and adoration and rejoicing is option like power windows on your car. When it comes to serving God, rejoicing is a command from your Bible. Well, praise the Lord. Now here God is fixing to do a great thing. He's already got a great move. But now it's going to move into a different cycle of this move. And they're going to have a, a years of restoration. But God wants to start the revival out. And they're going to be the people of the book. And if this is what they think the book is going to do, it's going to be sadness and heaviness and gloominess, which is the way many people look at Christianity. And let me just say this, friends, that life itself, uh, you know, 
brings us many, many difficult things. And there's things that all of us go through that we're not gonna have happy days. Let's just be honest and frank that a lot of the things that have happened to many of us in the last few years, it has not given us a lot to be happy about as far as circumstances. And sometimes the trials and the pressures of life make it almost impossible to be happy with the circumstances of life. And if we are waiting for the circumstances of life to change until we are happy, we might as well just get rid of our smiling muscles. We might as well get rid of our raising our arms muscles. We might as well get rid of, you know, all that sort of thing and just go around like an old sourpuss all the time and just be grouchy and all bitter and get rid of being happy and let's just become mean and mossback and cantankerous and sorry and rotten. Well, if that's what you want to become, that's up to you, but that's not what I find out a Christian is. I find out my Bible tells me that it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And yet my Bible also lets me know that there's going to be trouble. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be times I'm not going to feel like being happy because of circumstance. But I believe there's a compound revelation that lays, especially in this end time for us. And that is that we can rejoice every day of our life. Despite the circumstances, despite the war, despite the economic view, and this and that and the other. COVID numbers are going down and some of y'all are so happy, I'm kind of happy myself that COVID numbers are going down. But listen, you think, well, once COVID's gone, we'll be happy again. It'll only be a break till something else will hit us. If you're waiting for the conditions to come to that where everything is ideal, let me just go ahead and tell you, you'll never smile again till either I preach your funeral or we go on the rapture. But if you find an avenue by which which you can rejoice in the Lord, then it makes no difference how much inflation, if we have to wind up paying $4 and a half for a gallon of gas, I don't know about you, I ain't gonna get out of my car and slide my credit card in the gas machine and say, well, glory to God, hallelujah, I'm paying $4 and a half. I wanna write a letter to that man in the White House and say, why did you shut down that pipeline, you knucklehead? Notice this in Philippians chapter four, verse four. Now, Philippians is the second book of what are called the prison letters. Ephesians is the first one. And it was written around 63, 64 AD. Now, don't get in your mind that Paul is sitting in a living room somewhere in a nice parsonage with an air conditioner on and he's got a honey bun laying over here and a cinnamon roll over here and sausage and biscuit over there and he's got all kinds of flavored teas and people sitting there waiting on him. No, but let's get the real setting. He's in the Roman prison, sitting in darkness with rats running over his feet eating molded bread and his eyes, no telling how long it had been since he'd even seen any daylight. And yet this man has broken into an avenue in the presence of God that he's gonna write some very peculiar things. 
He's writing to the church at Philippi, which is dealing with all kinds of different issues. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. Now remember, these are several of these small books, also Timothy, that's written during the time of the prison letters. So he goes from one church to another to another, and they've got women problem issues, they've got tongue and interpretation problems, they've got fornication in one church, they've got all kinds of false preachers going around, as we heard about two of them this weekend, Hymenius and Philetius, one of them called the singing man, and the other one the kissing man, and they would have been quite a team, wouldn't they? So Paul had all these issues that were going on. And here he was, he was in prison, and he could not personally be able to go. And then he had people coming around that was bringing false accusations against him and falsely accusing him so he was having to defend his own ministry in spite of already bearing all of these burdens and all these difficulties. How in the world could that man write about rejoicing? Nearly everybody had left him by this stage in his ministry. Demas, one of his great buddies and pals, as it was seen to be, and Demas began to look around and think, how could this be a man of God when he only had one coat to his name? How could this be a man of God that I saw him lay his hands on blinded eyes and them come open? I saw him lay hands on the cripple and they started walking and then not long ago he left Trophimus over there in that certain city because he was sick. And he's got so weak in faith that he's carrying a doctor with him everywhere he goes. You know, Luke was a practicing physician. So Paul had now, didn't have hardly no money at all, only had one coat and said, whenever you come down there from that other place, it's getting cold up here, bring that one coat. I've only got one coat. So Demas was a rich man. And Demas got to looking around and said, you know what, this don't make a lot of sense. This man's supposed to be a prophet and he ain't got but one coat. And it looks like to me his ministry's deteriorated. He left that one worker up there in that, in that city. He was so sick he couldn't hardly go. I believe this man's all washed up. I believe he's losing it. I believe that he's losing his anointing. And Demas said, you know what? I, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. I'm not going to forfeit my reputation. Now remember the prophet of God tells us that Demas left him. But he said, I do not believe Demas went to the world. But Demas began to pull himself away from the messenger and the message of the age. Why? It was, it was deadly to your life and your health being identified with Paul. Ask Silas. You, you face, you know, you face being beat and thrown in jail and all kinds of stuff being identified with him. I wonder how many of our preachers today would really be called to preach if they was facing jail time. <laughs> but you realize that the true ones, they recognize this was a man sent from God. So many of the people have turned away. The Galatians, remember also uh, during this time frame in chapter one, verse eight, when he said that who has turned you away from the truth? And he goes on to tell them, at one time you would have pulled, pulled your eyes out and gave them to me. Because Paul is still dealing with this debilitating disease to where a matter would run out of his eyes and his eyes would swell up. And it was 
from the appearing of the pillar of fire and he dealt with it the rest of his life. And they loved him so much that they would have gladly taken their eyes out and said, oh, Brother Paul, I love you so much. I'd give you my eyes if it was possible. But then he said, why have I become your enemy? Because I've told you the truth. So people from Galatia had turned away from him. People from Philippi had turned from him. People everywhere was turning away and it seemed like that his ministry was washed up. And yet he said in Philippians chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, if you notice, Paul did not say be happy. I don't care, friends, unless you're on something in pill form or smoking it. If you're a Christian, you're going to deal with things in your life that is going to be hard to be happy about. But you see, many people associate all of this in one avenue, and they think if they're not happy about life and where they are in life itself, then they cannot be happy. You've not rightly divided the word of truth to help you to understand that you can always be happy in the Lord even when you can't be about the present state of life that you're in. Is anybody in states tonight to where you just flat wish you wasn't there? You this wasn't going on and that wasn't going on and that wasn't going on? Nobody? Oh my Lord, friends, I, I am so sorry. Let, let me go out here and, and get my Bible and get another text. I must have totally missed this tonight. Oh, I didn't? Oh, okay, well, I mean, y'all wasn't responding, so I, I thought I must be just... No, I think I'm right on target. You see, Paul didn't, didn't even shame them because they weren't able to rejoice every day. I imagine it would be hard to rejoice with rats running over your feet. Wouldn't you think so? Wouldn't you imagine that it would be quite difficult in, in the Roman prison there and they have just a hole in the top of it. I've, I've seen it there years ago. And uh, they dump your food down there, your water down there. You have no fellowship with anybody. You have guards coming by laughing at you, making fun of you, ridiculing you. I, I imagine it would be very hard to be happy and say, oh, praise God for them rats. They're my friends. I love them. I doubt it. Well, glory to God, hey, this is such a wonderful place. How do I thank you for this place? So don't sit there and look at me like that. You know you wouldn't. You'd cry and bellyache and mourn. And Paul did not say he was happy he was in prison. Paul did not say he was rejoicing he was in prison. But Paul said rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes the situations in our body, sicknesses and diseases and whatever more that we're dealing with, we find it very hard to rejoice in them. Oh, if you've got a kidney stone, I guarantee you, you're going to find it hard. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, that's when it passes that you rejoice like that. If you go to the doctor and he gives you some kind of bad report, and, and that's not what Paul even said. He didn't say rejoice when you're beat up or whipped or run down or all that sort of thing, but he said rejoice in the Lord. Now, why would he lead them that way? Because even when things are going against you in your life and in your home and in your church and on your job, you can always rejoice in the Lord for who he is, what he is, what he's done, what he's doing, 
doing and what he's going to do. You see, the outside doesn't affect none of that. And Paul knew that. Now, Paul is not just writing a beautiful scripture and saying, wow, this is going to be such a beautiful scripture. This is so unique and it's so wonderful. Paul was writing what Paul was experiencing. Why could this be so real? Because Paul is experiencing. Now, I'm not saying that we are not dealing with difficult times and many of you have lost friends and loved ones and you're dealing with great trauma in your life right now. But friend, none of us in reality have been where Paul was when he was sitting there writing this prison epistle. And yet Paul had broke into an avenue that he was able. Oh, thank God that he did. I don't thank God that Paul was beat. I don't thank God that Paul was prison. But no doubt there was things that he got there that we would not have in the New Testament had it not been for that trial. Notice, so Paul, it was so, so shocking in one way that Paul actually repeated it and said it twice. So Christ is the sphere of rejoicing that we should rejoice in. Because there's many circumstances of life and events of life and things that's going to happen to us, they're out of our control. They're not out of God's control, we know that. But there's always things that we can rejoice about in the Lord because our condition change from moment to moment but he's the same yesterday today and forever now he's he's living out an example of an inner joy that is beyond expression and it's something that he's feeling while he's down there no doubt he hadn't had a bath in forever and probably had body odor and probably his eyes was as off a shape that ever was can you imagine the mildew and the mold and the nasty condition that it was in down there and yet Paul was writing to the church and telling them to rejoice always oh my and again I say rejoice let me tell you something the rejoicing is always in season there's never a time I don't care what you're going through oh but I've been through so much I, I've got to a place I couldn't rejoice that's not true oh you say I have nothing to rejoice about that is not true you are looking at it the wrong way just like these people did in the city of Jerusalem and you're basing it upon your circumstances, your events of life. You can always rejoice in the Lord even when you can't rejoice in your own present circumstances. You'll be surprised what rejoicing can do to lift your own human spirit. Now, he's living the example of one who has found this fountain of inner joy, even though the external circumstances give him nothing to be happy about. Now, this man has labored for quite some time now in among the churches, and no doubt it looks like some of them is fixing to collapse. You got false preachers going out among them, and some of them's reintroducing Judaism. Some of them's gone back to legalism. Nearly every church that Paul had founded at this present time, 64 to 66 AD, it was a terrible time. And there was difficult things that was going on. So Paul couldn't say, well, praise God. What about the church at Ephesus? Well, the men over there don't know how to love their wives. 
Why do you think he wrote that in Ephesians 5? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And that was from one of the deepest churches in predestination. He could write to them about the mystery of God. He could write to them about that, but he had to tell the fathers how to love their children and had to tell the women how to love their wives and tell the husbands how to love their wives and all that. You say, what in the world is wrong with that church? It was just human beings. That was what was wrong with it. So Paul, there wasn't a one of them, brother Paul, not one church that Paul could look at and say, well, look at this church. Oh, oh my, that one there. Oh, my. I said, How, what's going on? Oh, they've got adultery going on over there, Paul. Oh, what about this one? Yeah, they, they've got Judaism. They've got the legalism there. And you've got them people that come in behind you. Everywhere he looked, there wasn't one church that he could point his finger at that did not have problems and issues. Well, that's pretty encouraging to me. I guarantee you one thing, there's only one direction in here tonight that I can point that has no problems. It ain't here and it ain't there and it ain't there and it ain't there or there or there. Every direction that we would point in this building, if we point to the camera and we point out to all those streaming, every direction we would point tonight, we'd say there's uncertainty and there's problems and there's issues, but I can rejoice in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, but I've got problems, but he's got the answers. I've got sickness, but he's got healing. I've got things I don't know how I'm gonna deal with, but he's got everything I have need of. No wonder Satan does not want us to rejoice in the Lord always. He wants us to come in here and sit around oh my like we're a dried up old stick but he hates it when the saints of God break into a revelation and say how you doing? Well I may not be doing so good but my daddy's the almighty God. Oh well how's it going? Well it may not be going good but tomorrow may be better and if tomorrow ain't tomorrow evening might be because he's on my side. So Paul is facing death. He's done been arrested. The charges have been brought against him. And he's talking about rejoicing. None of his work that he can look around. And it looks like, now for a preacher, this is devastating. This is devastating. What you give your life for. And it looks like your life's work is fixing to collapse before you. It must have been horrifying, Brother West. And many of the preachers had gone away from him. And many of those that followed him initially, the great signs and wonders. And now they're wondering. It goes from wonders to wondering. So now they're wondering, is this man a prophet or not? They'd had YouTube channels that probably made all kinds of YouTube videos about Paul. And Demas had been one of them and said, why I left that coat. And Demas would have got his head killed. Oh, I was bound. I was bound. Go ahead and dramatize it, you hell-bound creature. But now I'm free. I can drink five beers a day. You call that freedom, do you? That's what I pray for people to get set free from, not to go back into. (laughs) You see, the Christian should learn to rejoice in the Lord no matter what's going on. I know some of you are looking at me very strange tonight as if I have lost my mind. No, that happened a long time ago. You already know that. 
You see, there lies great difficulty in this because we cannot keep from being affected by things that are around us. But when those things that are around us on the outside begin to control the power that's on the inside, then there's something that is definitely wrong. It's easy to rejoice in moments of excitement and blessings and things are going good. The family's doing good. The church is doing good. My, there ain't no hardly no trials and tests and so on going on. But whenever things are weary, when things are not going good at all and things are looking very bleak and to be able to rejoice in the Lord during those times unless you have an understanding, it can seem very foolish to the eyes of the world. But Paul had learned in great difficult that he would be able to rejoice in the Lord no matter where he was at. He said, I found that no matter what state I'm in, that he would be able to rejoice and have happiness in the Lord. Wouldn't that be awesome if everybody that come to Happy Valley would be able to by truthfully saying, I can be able to say by the grace of God, no matter whether I've got money or I don't have money, whether my bills are paid or they ain't paid, whether I've got COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, I've got trauma, I've got nausea, I've got dizzy, I've got this or that or the other, I can still rejoice in the Lord even though I've got a headache. I can still rejoice in the Lord, but what do we rejoice in? We rejoice by the circumstances on the outside. Well, I got healed last night. I got touched. Well, praise the Lord. I rejoice with you in that, but if you really break into the realm of rejoicing, you can rejoice even if you got prayed for and you got worse instead of getting better because you broke into it to where you're not judging it just by the circumstances that are around you. This is the father of our faith. This is what he done. Sarah, how is it today? No different. Praise God, Sarah. Don't you doubt it. Don't you doubt it. God said so. 10 years past, 15 years past, 22 years, 23, 24, 25 years. Sarah, how you feeling today? No different. Glory to God. Glory to God. God's going to do it. Where was he rejoicing? In Sarah's body? In his body? In God's promise. Now, he didn't even have the Holy Ghost. Now notice, so Paul was able to rejoice. Now you imagine having fetters, fetters on his hands, fetters on his feet, until there were spots in his flesh around his legs and there were running sores. Can you imagine the devil coming down in that prison and saying, hey, I thought Jesus loved you. You're one of them bride members, ain't you? Ain't you one of them elect people? Ain't you one of them chosen ones that's found special favor with God? Oh, how you like this chain, Paul? You're really special, ain't you? But Paul said, I can still rejoice in the Lord. Oh, oh, oh. Now, for any of you tonight that have come to church and and you've got these big fetters on your, on your arms and, and you've got war places on there. I have no problem with you not raising your hands. But I do have a problem with most of the rest of you if you don't raise yours. <laughs> Praise God. But why don't we? Because of things around us. Look friend, COVID has done more 
than cause temperatures and fevers and coughing. It's affected our spirits. It has affected the world. But remember the bride's revival is not a revival of charismatic. It is not a revival of the Baptist or this and that or the other. We can have revival going on inside of us. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, after COVID, in COVID, out of COVID, when there ain't no COVID. But if we're not careful, we will let such times bring us till we begin to focus on so much this. Oh my, you know, so-and-so testinated. Oh no, oh no, she sneezed in church. Oh my goodness, you know how it is. If you're in Walmart and somebody sneezes, people go, oh, 47 different directions. People scared to death are living under such fear. They're living under such stuff. Oh my, we, we should not be the people of God and be bound by fear. I hate this COVID thing. I hate the fear that it's brought on the people of God. People are scared to come to church. They're scared to shake somebody's hand and they're scared to say amen or scared somebody will say amen behind them because it might blow germs on the back of their head. Well, honey, go home and spray your head in Lysol if you're that scared, but don't stop worshiping God. Hallelujah. I'd rather go to church in a NASA suit and be pumped fresh oxygen. Glory to God. If I have to stand there like a spaceman jumping up and down in my space bubble, I want the world to know whose side I'm on. It ain't just a command to go to church. It's a command to worship him when you get there and to sing and to praise him. So Paul rejoiced in hardships and in chains. What are you in for, buddy? You rob a bank. You a bank robber? I'm a devil caster outer. I'm a preacher. Whoa. They throw you in jail for that? Preaching what I preach, they do. <laughs> so you imagine you've got a record. The church age messenger had a federal record. And federal penitentiary, as we'd say. Paul said, glory to God, I'm free. Imagine them other people in the prison. I said, that man's out of his mind. I see why they arrested him. They arrested him for the safety of the other people in the streets. He's out of his mind. He's up all hours of the night. He's singing, he's praying, he's rejoicing. He said, oh God, you're so good to me. Lord, I love you so much. You've been so good to me. I was lost and you saved me. Oh God, I was so blind and you opened my eyes. Lord, I, I found favor in your sight when grace became amazing. Lord, I've got so much of this. What's wrong with that man? He was rejoicing in the Lord. Not rejoicing because of his chain. Not rejoicing because the people that left him. He could rejoice in the Lord. Praise God. Notice in Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Finally my brethren. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh my goodness. But I don't see them other words there. 
I mean, them other words that we live by. If you feel like it. Now, that ain't what the word says, but that's, we kind of add that into our version, you know. Janet 3 and 5 and Wes 5 and 8 and Wade 13 and 14. Well, I just didn't feel like worshiping tonight. The Bible does not tell you to worship him if you feel like it. The Bible tells you to rejoice in the Lord. Whether you feel it or whether you don't, Brother Donnie, I didn't feel one bit of the anointing, but you're supposed to rejoice anyway. You're supposed to praise him anyway. Don't you understand what rejoicing does? Rejoicing brings this connection between you and the divine that is more than feeling. You sense him around you and you know that he's there even though you may not feel nothing running up and down your skin, but you're obeying his word. It's just as much, friends, as our sisters stopping cutting their hair. Why do they stop doing that? Because the word says so. Why do we stop drinking? The word instructs us so. Why are you rejoicing? The word tells me to do it. Do you feel it, Brother Donnie? Now that's a different story. I'm going to rejoice whether I feel it or whether I don't. I hope I don't blow you away. There's many times I have preached the word and didn't feel one thing. But I'm going to preach anyway because I'm anointed to preach. Whether I feel the anointing or not, you're anointed to be bride. You're anointed to live a holy life. You're anointed to rejoice. You're anointed to worship our God. Friends, do we, are, we, are we getting this right? This is a commanded responsibility. Finally, my brethren. Of course, this is only for children. Finally, my brethren. Notice he tell right into the sinners now. This is commanded for brothers. Finally, my brethren, rejoice. So you mean this is the finale? Of these other first chapter, second chapter, finally, my brother, all the great things that he said, now he comes up to chapter three and he says, finally, brother, I'm gonna bring this to a consummation. I'm gonna consummate this whole thing I've said so far. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. And we say, oh, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, you ain't got it, have you? Oh, brother Donnie, I keep waiting. Somewhere over the rainbow. I'm waiting for my bus to come in. Right. Let's just be honest. If there was such a thing as luck, some of y'all's bus run over you. You better not wait on your rainbow. You better not wait on your bus. You better go to praising him tonight. If I was you, I wouldn't even wait till Sunday to come back. I'd make up in my mind tonight at this service, I'll tell you one thing, I'm changing the way I serve God. I'm gonna start rejoicing in the Lord before I get to church. I'm gonna rejoice in the Lord tomorrow and tomorrow night and the next day. And as a matter of fact, by the grace of God, I'm gonna start rejoicing in the Lord every day of my life. In church, out of church, I am the church. Hallelujah, once you learn that, he loves for you to rejoice. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 
to write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. Safe. Why? He had the word of the Lord in the first place, and he knew God can add to a revelation but never change it. Because it is commanded by the word of God to do so, then it, why, why would it be so? Because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. This joy, this is part of the fruit of the Spirit. But people say, well, if I ever get that, I won't have no more troubles. No. You'll actually have both. And you'll experience it to such extremes that would drive most common people out of their minds. Because you walk in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then when that come back goes away from you, you come back down to this earth, there ain't nobody that can walk as high as you can walk. And there ain't nobody that can feel as low as you can feel. <sighs> I realize this wouldn't go over down in Texas. That boy's on something. <laughs> and it ain't that new wine either. Listen how different the church age messenger was. Second Corinthians 6.10 As sorrowful yet always. Look at the mixture. As sorrowful as sorrowful, yet always, or the way we would say it, always, yet always rejoicing. But you see, like with us, with many of us, it's our thinking, it's either or. No, it's both. But you're waiting till you're so, boy, I'll tell you one thing, when I get through this, I'm telling you what, I'm going to church. I, I'm, I'm going to get another one of these nights and I'm going to get wild in a buck. I'm telling you what, I'm going to turn loose. I'm going to get so wild in church. I'm going to raise my hands. <laughs> boy, you are, ain't you? Good Lord, I hope I'm here when that happens. Man, some of y'all might go to, whew. Man, I got wild in church tonight. Did you, brother? What'd you do? Patted the pew. But Paul, don't you see, friends? Paul had found it. Yes, yes. Amen. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Now, this is what's amazing. Sorrow is seasonal. Rejoicing is always in season. Don't you see? Sickness is seasonal. Trouble is seasonal. Look at the book of Acts. They would go through hardships and then the Bible says the churches had rest. Why? It was seasonal. Aren't you glad God gives you reprieve sometimes? And if we're not careful, that's the way we synchronize our rejoicing and our praise. We synchronize our response and our joy. But when the troubles are light and whenever everything is going good, we really get with it. No, you've got it backwards. You really need to get with it, but it, don't, it ain't going very good. Don't you understand what you said? Well, he's demanding more of me. He wants it from you because he knows it will be your strength. It's not like he's wanting more out of you than what you can give. He knows that will help you and bring deliverance for you if you will let it. 
as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Look at the dual quality of a Christian life that not only pertains to Paul, but pertains to all believers. In a world of sin and immorality, Lord, children, how can we look at our nation and see the darkness that it's in and, and, and not affect us? It's inevitable. We're going to be affected. But I refuse to let it take my always season. I remember years ago, Carol and I was living in West Virginia. Alicia was just a little girl. I don't, I'm not sure if Erica was even born yet. Erica was born when we lived there. We lived up in Old Holler, up in the mountains. There's an abandoned coal mine about 20 feet, something like that, 25 feet from the front porch. It was so far back in the mountains, the sun never hit the porch. Had to pop in sunlight. <laughs> One night I'd come in off of a trip and a, a demon attacked me. Carol saw several demons in there, in that house. And one attacked me. And I was feeling fine all of a sudden. And then it's like this thing come over me. And I was in the bed, just that quick. And Carol was praying and crying. Of course, Liz was small and tore up. I couldn't hardly even talk. I couldn't hardly get nothing out. But I got out, read Psalms. 91. And she just kept reading it and reading it. And I got to where I could talk a little bit and then a little bit more. But you know what? I wasn't saying how bad it was. I wasn't saying how difficult it was, but what I was able to get out of my mouth was, God, you're good. Amen. God, you're a present help in the time of trouble. And by praising, and my dear wife praying with me, and poor little Liz there scared to death with us, and what did God do? God helped me to praise my way with my praying wife right out of that demon. Oh my, I'm telling you friend, I'm not preaching something to you that I've not experienced myself, that we can praise our way out of many hardships in life. You can praise your way right out of many things. Why do you think the Bible mentions it so much? Praise ye the Lord. Praise him on the cymbal. Praise him on the cymbal. Praise him with the voice. Praise all ye people. Praise ye the Lord. Why, there is great power and joy in the people of God looking right in the devil's face and say, you cancer, I cannot praise God for you, but I can rejoice in the Lord Jesus that he is my healer. High blood pressure bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Oppression bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Oh my, how I would love to have been there with him. You imagine what an admiration would have had for this man looking at him the way we do. If I could have stood in the top of that hole 2,000 years earlier than what I did last time I was there and screamed down to him, keep pressing the battle, my brother. I'm reading your letters from Corinth. I'm reading your letters from Ephesus. I'm reading your letters. Be encouraged, my brother. Yeah. 
I'm part of the fruit of your labor. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. You're up on the wall. You're doing a good work. Don't come down. Oh. You say, well, I ain't got nothing to be happy about. And let me say this. I got a note from somebody here at the church just a few days ago. And I got that note, and whenever I got it, I opened it up to read it. And the first sentence was about having nothing to rejoice about. So when I read that first sentence, I closed it back up and put it on my desk. And I thought, nope, I'm not reading this until after I preach Wednesday night. So I can deal with whatever the Lord wants me to say, and I don't know what that letter said. Oh, I've done seen my God do that many, many times. Oh, yeah. Several years ago, one of the sisters in my church called Carol. I was out gone somewhere, and I come in. She said, Sister so-and-so called me and wanted to talk to you about it. I said, Stop right there. I want you to get on the phone right now and call her and tell her that I stopped you from talking to me. I went downstairs, got my computer, brought it up. said, I want you to look at these notes. I'm fixing to preach on this right here Wednesday night. I said, you call her and tell her that I stopped you because the Lord's fixing to deal with it. Wednesday night after service, Carol said it was absolutely phenomenal. The Lord dealt with 98% of what the sister talked to her about, and he saved the other 2% for the next Wednesday night. Now, little friend, you know a little old dumb Kentucky hillbilly can't do that. I don't know who you think is in charge of this body move, but it ain't Donnie Reagan, it ain't Darrell Ward, it ain't Tim Pruitt. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He wants to speak to his bride. He wants to give you courage, hallelujah, so you can face life's battles with joy inside of your heart and say, I rejoice in the middle of trouble. I rejoice in the middle of heartache. I rejoice in the time of all that. Yeah, how can you do it? Not because I'm rejoicing in sorrow, I'm rejoicing in Jesus. rejoicing what about his incarnation what about him taking on humanity what about him being beat so that you could be healed what about him becoming a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities what about him for the joy that was set before him despised the cross and the shame that went with it knowing that you would be there when he was on the cross you were on his mind you can rejoice knowing that he had you in his mind knowing that you were in him when he raised from the dead you can rejoice in his resurrection you can rejoice in him coming back on the day of Pentecost you can rejoice by him sending a prophet of God. You can roll ticket. I need to go on. Glory to God. And you've been looking for something to rejoice about? Oh, Brother Donnie, I, I, I was kind of thinking about my bills, you know. Paul never said that. But he said rejoice in the Lord. You can rejoice in his perpetual intercession for you. 
I put down a few of these things. You can rejoice in his humility. You can rejoice in his purity. You can rejoice in his unselfishness. You can rejoice in his love, in his mercy, in his goodness, in his unselfishness. You can rejoice in his sympathy towards you. You can rejoice in his power, in his glory, in his magic. Well, glory to God. You can rejoice in the Lord. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. What a contrast. Remember the man had one coat. He had no estate. He didn't leave no college, no seminary, no bridges named after Paul, no roads, no four lanes, no interstate highways. He was a poor man, but he made many rich. <laughs> Glory to God. He invested them with treasures beyond the Federal Reserve. I guarantee you one thing. If you're part of Mr. Putin's inner circle tonight, you're sweating bullets. Because you know why? The UK, Germany, the United States, and some more of the countries have frozen every nickel they've got in foreign assets. So if you're some of them families tonight that's part of the inner circle and you can't get a hold of your billions, I imagine you are sweating bullets. But you know what? The devil ain't got no way to get into the reserve where our riches are. Amen. Amen. He can't freeze them up. <laughs> oh, glory to God. He can't freeze off grace to me. He can't freeze off God's mercy and God's love and God's strength to help us. It will only open a heart. Brother Donnie, what's the secret? Rejoice in the Lord. Always again I say rejoice. Paul was giving them riches that was far beyond what any king could give his son as an earthly prince. Praise God. One of the things he was teaching them was rejoice in the Lord. Always. You see, this is what I like to call holy joy. This ain't the joy that the world gives. This is holy joy. Praise God. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Praise God. Oh, don't you appreciate him? Let's bow our heads if you had How in the world could such a verse been written from prison? Think of it, friends. What a paradox. From prison. Maybe Paul had just got done eating his old moldy bread. Drinking his old water stagnated. Smelling so bad. And you know, Paul had a good upbringing. And no doubt, he was used to the bathhouse. But because of Christ, he'd been stripped of all of that. And then writing to the saints of God. What an encouragement it must have been to the believers of that day. Because <clears throat> remember, by this time frame, they were cutting their heads off, burning their bodies as torches, human torches, 
Nero lit them in his garden while they were alive. Wrapped them in sheepskins and dipped them in pitch, tar as we know it, and set them aflame as Nero would walk through his garden at night. Now, brothers, how could you rejoice in seeing your wife burn in Nero's garden or your sister's your husband? You couldn't rejoice in that. But you could rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Brother Donnie, how in the world could you do it? Because you know there's a resurrection promise for that loved one of yours. So you could rejoice that they died in the faith. You couldn't rejoice. My, you go home to your bed at night and your husband was gone. Your little baby was gone. You'd wake up during the night and hear your little child gone. You go to its bed, but the Romans killed it two weeks ago. How could you rejoice because your baby was gone? You couldn't, but you'd rejoice in the Lord. Some of you sick and suffering, going through various things. Brother Donnie, I just can't do it. I just can't thank God for this cancer. I can't thank God for this and that and the other. Paul didn't say thank God for the cancer, but he said rejoice in the Lord. Because he's the healer of your cancer. Your high blood, your low blood, whatever it is. We've got enough folks in here tonight with enough courage to say, Lord, I need to change the way I've been doing. I realize I've been wrong, Lord. I need help. I've rejoiced too much in circumstances. I've been like a yo-yo Christian when things are going good. Boy, I've rejoiced and with all my heart. And then when things gone bad, I thought, well, I ain't got nothing to praise you about. Oh, children, you've got so much to praise you for. Listen, some of you wives, some of you husbands that's lost your wives, you may think, I have nothing to live for. I can understand what you're saying to a degree. But the Lord God makes no mistakes, brothers. If he took your wife before you, sisters, if he took your husband before you, we have to commit that to the providence of God. He makes no mistakes. You have so much to live for. But my joy's gone. I have nothing to thank him for. Yes, you do. Don't think it necessary that your husband is gone or your wife is gone. But rejoice in the Lord. He's your savior. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's merciful. He's kind. He's forgiving. He's just. He's good. He's righteous. He's pure. My, we've got enough to praise him for. If we start tonight, we could go the rest of our life and not even stop. And never run out of good things to praise him for. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say, rejoice. Heavenly Father, I'll be the first to admit, Lord, life can toss us things that seem so cruel. Brother Ram called it the human grab bag. And it's been a question down through the ages that David himself struggled with it many years ago. He said, why is it that the righteous suffer and the wicked spread forth like the green bay tree? They're not persecuted from the day they're born until they died and they do this and that and the other. And David said, God, I just don't understand it. They flourish and they grow and they treat the widow wrong and they treat the orphan wrong and it seemed like nothing bad happens to them. Why is it that horrible things happen to good people? And if we focus on those horrible things, our song will change. 
And it'll change from a song of melody and praise and worship to a sad, poor old me, pitiful me type of song. Oh God, forgive us. You don't shame us because we experience such things. I believe in your humanity. You felt it too. When you stood there at the tomb of Lazarus, you allowed yourself to feel the loss of a loved one. You felt it for only a few moments, knowing you was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but you allowed yourself to feel loss so you could feel empathy as our high priest, knowing that your children would lose husbands, wives, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, children for 2,000 years of your priesthood. And they would come to you and say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand. Help me. The God of the Old Testament might have out of anger and vengeance because the law could not produce the amount of grace and mercy because it was not from the heart of God. But you allowed yourself to feel this loss. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But in a few moments, Jesus cried, Lazarus, come forth. But before your deity was expressed, your humanity was. So Lord, when your sons and your daughters would lose a loved one and they'd go home and they're used to sitting across the table and eating something with them and talking to them and what are we doing tomorrow? Now it's a lonely room, a lonely house, a lonely car. And they feel like they have nothing to praise you for. But Lord God, would you turn the light on? I, I know around the world in the message we've lost, as we say, lost preachers. I don't know how many pastors have died during this time of COVID. Deacons have died. People all over the world have died. But you haven't lost a one of them, Lord. Somehow you allowed them to go during this time of COVID. I'm not sure we'll ever understand it. But we can still rejoice in the Lord. And how will we do it? With tears in our eyes many times. Someone wrote me an email not long ago and said, How can you keep pressing the way you do? One of your daughters sick with this and that. The other daughter's sick with something else. You're going through this, going through that. How can you do it? My reply was, I have learned to trust his heart even when I do not understand his will. And I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus with tears in my eyes, but joy in my heart. It may seem strange, Lord, but we're a dual being. Paul said, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing in the Lord. As poor, yet having made many rich. Oh, Jesus, help us tonight. I'll be the first to admit to you, sir, I need help. I told Carol today, I wish there's one thing that her and I could have more of in life. I've never asked you for money, fame, fortune, nothing like that. But I told her, I said, you know, I wish sometimes me and you could just have a little more fun out of life. Just not have as many burdens. 
Because I have to deal with so much death, so much sickness, so much sorrow, so many troubles from people around the world, so much sadness and so much stuff of your people, Lord. I didn't choose this. You chose me for it. But it's amazing. We may not be able to have fun, as we would say. My allotment in life has never been one to be able to have a lot of fun. Mine's been more difficult. But I believe I can still rejoice, even though my path has not been the fun one. Hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. Anybody here tonight say, Lord, I need your help. Anybody here said, Lord, I ain't got nothing to live for? Lord, I don't feel like I've got no reason to be happy. Anybody streaming tonight? Oh, yeah, I'll hear from them in a few days. But let me tell you, my friend, the Lord Jesus is your reason. And rejoicing is always in season. Rejoicing is always in season. Don't think because you're going through a hard time that you can't rejoice, you can. How, Brother Donnie? In the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you tonight, Lord God. I'm going to let you go here in a few minutes, but before we go, can we just take a few minutes now? I figure there there ain't no real reason for us to wait till tomorrow to kind of turn over a new leaf and make a change and say, you know what, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply that. I, I believe Sunday morning will be the first service. Now, I mean, you can do that if you wish to. But since none of you have a promise of being here Sunday morning, I believe if I was you, I'd go ahead and do it tonight. Amen. I believe I'd just make up in my mind, Lord, by your help. Don't make a promise that you can't keep. But Lord, by your help, by your help, I want to be more of a rejoicing Christian. I guess I'm looking at it wrong, Lord. I've never realized I had so much to rejoice about, even though things are going so bad around me. And I've let those circumstances and events dictate and determine how much I worshiped you. When the joy of the Lord is my strength, and when I go to worshiping and praising, it actually releases something from within me, and it helps me to face the toils of life. So you wake up in the morning, you got a cold, you wake up in the morning and and Russia may have declared a full-blown war on Ukraine, not only Ukraine, but expand. I mean, some of the world leaders are concerned it's going to expand all over to Europe. Some of our American leaders are already telling us we are going to feel the crunch as American people. Inflation is going to get higher. We're going to pay more for gas. Boy, don't you appreciate those real encouraging things every day? It ain't no wonder, friends, that we get so down. We're bombarded with one news flash after another on that stupid phone of ours. And we call it a smartphone. I wonder if it is or not. It can be a depressing phone, a down phone. Come on. We need to find some more encouraging avenues besides Fox News and MSNBC and all the rest of that stuff. Oh, don't you love him? Can we just worship him a little bit? Oh, Lord Jesus. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice, Brother Donnie, what do you mean rejoice? Love him, praise him. You know, I mean, you don't have to do it as wild here tonight as people do when they go to a ball game. Don't you understand what they're doing? They're rejoicing. 
whenever their favorite team wins the whatever it is they're playing, the sugar bowl or the super bowl or the coffee bowl or whatever bowl it is. They're so happy and they're all, they're rejoicing. And the losing team is so down and so sad. And then what happens sometimes, they break out in a big fight. Right? They're rejoicing and the other team is mad. That's the way folks are at church. Some rejoicing, some leave mad. I think we all need to leave tonight rejoicing in the Lord and mad at the devil that he's robbed us. That devil has robbed us. We need to open the door of our house and say, you get out. Get out of here, you old sadness, you old depression. Leave. Brother Wes, come pray for the people with you. Thank you, Brother Donnie. Father, I know, uh, I know I'm not the only one here tonight to receive these words. That's one good thing about being part of your body. When you bring a message, it helps every single one of us. Lord, we can all relate to this. We all have... We have all suffered a lot of things in our lifetimes, whether it be the last two years or whenever, Lord. But, Lord, you've never let us down. You've always been there. There were songs that you taught me from the time I was just a small boy. And, Lord, you know, there was one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I, I would sing that song mowing the yard or just as I was going down the road or walking through the woods or whatever. I'd just sing that song to myself. I never knew that the man who penned those words was Paul when he was laying in the dredges of prison, Lord, and suffering in pain and agony. And Lord Jesus, what you'll teach us if we'll just open our hearts to you. What you'll save us from, the mercy that you show us, the grace that you give to us, the love that you pour out on your bride, Lord God. When we're thinking that we're going through such a hard time, you put your arms around us, and you lift us up and you draw us close, and you say, rejoice. I love you. Rejoice in me because I have nothing for you but good things. I have nothing for you but beauty and love and kindness. And I'm going to see you through this. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't have to mourn for long because I'm going to see you through every step of the way. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you forever through all eternity. Nothing can separate you from me. Lord Jesus, you're precious to us. Thank you for everything that you're doing, Lord. Who else is there to praise but you? Who else is there? Lord, there's none. There's none but you. You're the greatest. You're you're everything. You're everything. I see the the leaders of the world, Father. And, And when I look at them, I see sad, sad lost people who have no hope of tomorrow. They gather riches in this world that are just going to burn. And I've got everything. I've got a treasure unspeakable waiting on me, Lord. Because of the love that you have for us. It makes me pity them. It makes me pity them, Lord. You've given us everything. You deserve all of our worship. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for everything, Lord Jesus. I could go on all night, Lord. But I know that the whole body feels what I'm saying right now. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God, we love you. God bless us. Thank you.
Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We rejoice, O oh Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let your men, your wives, your children, the widow, the fatherless. I read that the other day, brother. I thought, wow, how God, how God even grabbed a hold of the widows and the fatherless, the orphans. And he said, rejoice. He didn't want them coming to the feast with sadness. It's not that he did not recognize their need. And some of them may have just lost a husband or, or a dad or whatever. But God said, when you come to this, come and rejoice. And rejoice. Praise the Lord. Sing something for us. Hey, can we just worship just, just before we go? Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship, Lord Jesus. We worship, we adore, we bless, we exalt, we extol your name. Lord God Almighty, you which is and was and is to come, the Almighty, the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, I am he that was dead but I am alive forevermore. Praise be to God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him now, children, as we sing together. Yes, you do, Lord God. And all the honor, Lord, we lift, we lift our hands in to worship. Hallelujah. Your holy name. You You think he does, children? Does he deserve your praise? And the all the honor. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Lord, we I give you my praise, my honor, my adoration. Worship. I worship no one but you. As we bless your holy name.
to God. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We rejoice in your presence, oh God. We rejoice because you're a mighty God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, before we go, we pray you'd be mindful of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. I thought it was amazing, Lord, just a few days ago receiving a text from one of the brothers who lives there in Kiev in Ukraine, just uh, not too far from where all this is happening. Instead of him texting and requesting prayer for their political situation and this and that, he said, Brother Donnie, I wanted to know how your daughters were doing. So I texted him back and said, well, you know, brother, give them the report. And then he said, we're praying for you and for the people, the saints there. And it was terrible. He texted back and said, well, brother, we don't want to complain. The Lord is mindful of us. I thought, my goodness, you're a mighty God. Lord, watch over our brothers and sisters. Lord, Russian saints and Ukraine saints, they're not against each other. They love one another. Lord, as I stood in Switzerland a few years ago, saw the Russians and the Swiss and the French and the Germans and Americans, Africans, Brits, gathered from all over Europe. I don't know how many different countries and nations standing there together as children of God. Hallelujah, all colors, all political backgrounds, but we all had one thing in common, Jesus Christ our Lord. It ain't them Russian brothers against them Ukrainian brothers. It's them demons moving on the leaders. Father God, in the name of Jesus, be mindful of your people, I pray. I don't care how strong Russia is. I don't care how strong and powerful Putin thinks he is. You're bigger than them all. You was before Putin, during Putin, and after Putin. When Putin ain't got no more Putin to do, you're going to be right there. You're the mighty God, the everlasting Father. When every kingdom will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We're doing our bowing and our confessing right now. Hallelujah. He is Lord. He's God over the universe. He's God over Russia. God over America. And you're coming back to take over the kingdoms. Praise God. As the scripture said, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. We love you, Father. Go with us now, I pray. Bring us back for the appointed time, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Ain't it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm going to praise Him, praise Him. I'm going to praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime. I'm going to praise Him. Jesus
when you got a fever. He's Jesus when you got a tumor. He's Jesus when you got a bad cold, no cold, low cold. He's still Jesus. He's Jesus when the sun goes down. Well, he's Jesus. He's Jesus. I wish somebody would help me sing it now. Jesus in the morning. He's Jesus in the noontime. Jesus. Well, he's Jesus. He's Jesus when the sun. God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of God. Sometimes I feel like heaven come down. Oh, sometimes I feel like Oh!